My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever you'd like to call it, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Friday, October the 27th, 2023, episode 177. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also find it over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 176 prior. And please rate, review, subscribe to the In The Money media feeds, whether they're podcast feeds, whether you're over on the YouTube channel. Give us all the, the feedback that we can get. The more the merrier. It helps on so many different fronts. And we appreciate all of the continued support. It is... 9.48 on Friday night. Keeneland, closing day tomorrow. You can catch all the action live on FanDuel TV. I'm a little bit spent right now, a little bit fried. The brain's, you know, not firing on all cylinders. Uh, just uh, getting to the end of a long run here. And knowing what next week is with the Breeders' Cup coming up on Friday and Saturday, this show tonight is going to be very lean. We'll take a look ahead to football, which didn't go great last weekend. Also, I have something to confess. One of the plays I said I was going to make, I did not make. I ended up doing something different in that game, and it worked out to my advantage. I ended up playing Denver under 20 points. So I was wrong about Green Bay winning. I cashed the Denver ticket. Otherwise, the rest of it, not very good. We'll get to football this week in a little while, but... You know, knowing that next week is the Breeders' Cup and that there will be two shows, there will be two pods next week. Wednesday night, there will be a Friday preview. Thursday night, there will be a Saturday preview. Okay? I don't know how in-depth I'm going to go into those sort of things. If you have specific questions or things that you want to hear about, leave them beneath the video player on YouTube or send me a direct message on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Otherwise, it'll probably be, you know, just kind of thoughts on, on certain runners and maybe how I'd go about constructing some tickets, things like that. All the picks for the 14 championship races will be available over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, TVG.com, the TVG mobile app, the whole nine. Um, but for tonight, I just, I'm curious now, the pre-entries have gone out. You see buyer speed figures. You see time form U.S. ratings. Thorograph has put out their product. Equinedge has got their sort of win percentages along with the runners. And, and you know, I'm not going to go through every single race, but I wanted to see what the markets overseas were looking like. Uh, I had a friend who was based over there, who you can probably take a wild guess who it is. He will be over here. He may be on his way over here fairly fairly soon texting me about uh, some prices available on certain horses and things that he was looking at and, and we, we both agree there was a number out there that was probably worth getting involved in so you know bigger picture point being I'm curious to see what some of these prices are available in Europe and if I think you're going to get something close to that day of or you're going to have some pretty dramatic fluctuations in these numbers um, you know, bookmakers are very, very sharp. They're not in the business of losing. So, you know, 
you factor that in a little bit and say, okay, well, they're going to offer up what they believe is a reasonable price. They're not going to just give money away. So maybe there are some instances where we're going to find some horses that look like they're underlays versus some that appear to be overlays. I'm not going to touch on the juvenile turf sprint. I've got too much work to do there. I will say good luck to our friends over at the HHH Racing Podcast, Howard and Pete and Paul and Kyle and everybody that's involved with this horse, Shards, who it sounds like he is going to be in the body. He is going to race. And I'd have to go back and look at it again. He flew home here at Keeneland a few weeks ago. It looks like there's a, a ton of speed in the race, so anything can happen. Safe trips to everybody involved, but good luck to that whole crew. I hope it works out for you. I hope you get, at the very least, a thrill. You're going to get a thrill because you're in a Breeders' Cup race, but uh, good luck to, to all of the folks involved. I believe this is a Kelsey Danner-trained runner. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully Shards can can come with a bit of a run and give everybody a thrill on Breeders' Cup Friday, but I have not done nearly enough work to comment on that race and look at prices, so I'm not going to really dive into it. The Juvenile Phillies, uh, Tamara, according to oddschecker.com, and you can go through and they'll show different prices for different books currently available and, and things of that nature, but they'll also give you sort of a best price available, and the best price on Tamara is 5 to 4 so in terms of what we are looking at, probably somewhere between 6 to 5 and 7 to 5. I think that seems about right. Candied is the second choice, somewhere around 7 to 2 or 3 to 1. I, you know, I, I, Candied might be an interesting runner long term. I just, from what I remember watching her here in the Alcibiades at Keeneland, she just doesn't seem like she totally knows what's going on right now. I do wonder if maybe she'll need a little bit of time and a little bit of racing luck and experience to improve some of the other names just off the top of my head. You know, Vivi's dream continues to to have some of her form flattered. I thought she ran very well here, but she was no match for Candied. This is just a race that it seems acknowledging I need to go back and really do a deeper a deeper look into these horses, and that'll come primarily on a seven-hour plane ride from Boston to Los Angeles on Tuesday. Tamara's going to be tough. Not breaking any news there. The Juvenile Phillies turf, I don't know what the Europeans look like. She feels pretty. I've already talked about her. I loved her at Woodbine. Scored on her there. I think she's a major player here. Buku was awesome winning the race here, the Jessamine at Keeneland. So those two fillies alone, I, you know, I, I could certainly see them running big races. And historically, the American girls have done better than the American boys. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the foreign juveniles for the turf race have exceeded what the counterparts have done and vice versa and the domestic runners here the United States based runners in the Phillies turf race have done far better than what the Europeans have done I think both of those horses are really talented they've got wicked turns of foot and without going through and looking at the rest of the field I, I do think that that one if not both of them have got major chances to win they are currently listed somewhere between six and ten to one 
Buku at 10 to 1 might be tough to turn down. Two consecutive races, electric turn of foot. The concern for Buku would be three races in five weeks or six weeks. That's a that's a lot to throw at a, a young horse. It's a lot to throw at any horse, but especially a young horse that's developing. At least with She Feels Pretty, you know, she's been sidelined, not sidelined, but she's been kind of resting up, getting ready to go since, what, the third week of September. So she should be in fine fettle. And the Cherie DeVoe barn, I've, I've spoken about her many times, both on air, on FanDuel TV, and here, and just to, to people in general. I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for her. This is, I think it represents a bit of a breakout season, but I think 24, that, that barn could be on to bigger and better things. So keep an eye on both of those two domestic fillies, Buku, and She Feels Pretty. The Juvenile, this is an interesting race because you've got, you have four horses between 11 to 4, or call it 3 to 1, and 9 to 2. Muth, Locked, Timberlake, Prince of Monaco. And they're not in the same order at every book. Some books have got one horse favored, others have others favored. There are so many different ways that you can go in here. I don't think Muth beat anything in the American Pharaoh. Locked, he was extremely wide here at Keeneland. Fig, maybe a little bit on the light side, but I could certainly see him take a step forward. Timberlake, he wins at Aqueduct. I was chatting with Caleb Keller earlier, though. You know, once Fierceness didn't show up, who did Timberlake really need to beat? And then Prince of Monaco, just on paper, he looks like he's the fastest horse in the race. So that's a really, really interesting race, a really fun race. You know, the wine steward is even listed in there. I thought he ran a bang-up race here at Keeneland. Wind me up. You know, this is a... I don't know if we've got superstars or not, but I think it's a very competitive group. I think it's a very evenly matched group. I will say one interesting note, if you go through and you really think about it and you're honest about, in hindsight, what some of these divisions have produced throughout the years. Man, some of these juvenile races have been dreadful. Really, really bad, long-term. Specifically, the Phillies race on dirt. I mean, some truly forgettable horses. And you can say the same thing about the boys, but I feel like the girls even more so. Not to say that'll happen again this year, but it's just an observation that some of these juvenile races, oh my goodness, there's a reason that it's so hard to continue and maintain that form from your two-year-old year on to your three-year-old year and, and so on and so forth. Let's move on to Saturday a little bit. We'll take a look at the Dirt Mile. Cody's Wish, 9-4. to four. So just a shade over 2-1. to one. I, I have a feeling that Cody's Wish is not nearly the horse he was at this time last year. Doesn't mean he can't win. But with his running style at Santa Anita especially, I think that might be a bit of a... Bit of a bugaboo. I don't know that I love the way that sets up for a horse like Cody's Wish. Practical move. He's got the running style. He's got home court advantage. I don't really think he's all that fast, but he could certainly improve. Algiers is, you know, I guess he ran. I'd have to go back and watch the replay. I haven't seen the, the tape from the run-up at Woodbine, his first start in North America. But, 
you know, he was second in the Dubai World Cup, if I, if I remember correctly. I, I can already see myself going down this road and then after the race is run, going back and being like, you knew the horse wasn't any good, but, but, but. In terms of running style, National Treasure fits the race very well. He has one way to go. He's not nearly as good as the classic horses. He has won an American Classic, but I've gone on record many times over saying I didn't like him going in. I didn't think it was any good coming out. He's run the same race throughout his entire career. Mid to high 90. Needs to have the lead. I don't think it's crazy, though, to think that he could get the lead in here and at a mile against a group of horses that are probably better, many of them around one turn than two. I don't think National Treasure's crazy. I really don't. This also probably sounds harsh. I think Mage might be better suited for the Dirt Mile than the Classic. I don't think that'll happen. I can't imagine he ends up in the Dirt Mile, but unless it's a connection call. But just in terms of... You know, he's got some fast figures. I just... It's so hard to take a horse like that off such a bad race. And I know it was at the end of August, but my goodness, he was not good in the Travers. At least in the Dirt Mile, you're not catching the, the cream of the crop. And I, Although some would argue that Cody's Wish is better than anything talent-wise that'll run in the Classic. I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but I, I, I do think I do think a horse like, like National Treasure, who I, I've never, ever liked, I think he makes sense in that race, and he's 10 to 1 at some of the books over in Europe. Let's move on. Philly and Mare Sprint. Another race that's a bit of a crapshoot. Good night, Olive. I don't think she's nearly as good as she was last year. She's even money in a lot of these spots. Society may be controlling speed. You step on the gas and go, but Ugiri is in this race. She's probably not going to be far off of it. Caramel Swirl has been withdrawn from consideration. Matareya is a filly that has shown versatility, and her prices are all over the map, anywhere between 8 and 16 to 1. Ida, I, I don't recognize the name immediately. I'd have to go back and take a little bit more of a look, but maybe it is as simple as Goodnight Olive is better than everybody else, and that's that. But if I don't think she's as good as she was last year, you're going to be dealing with a fraction of the price. And she's going to have to come from a bit off of it. Maybe she's one that, that I'll end up taking a shot against. The sprint. I'm clearly not doing this in any particular order. Elite power. He probably is the best horse in the race. He'll have to deal with Dr. Shivel. He'll have to deal with Speedboat Beach. But it feels like elite power if he runs his race. He's probably just better than everyone else. A lot of places have him just shading over even money, but... You know, you're probably not looking at much more than that day of. I don't know that I'm in a rush to, to play against him in a spot like that. The distaff. Idiomatic. Anywhere between 6 to 4 and 9 to 4. Adair Manor, 4 to 1, 9 to 2, ballpark around there. Randomized in Clarier around 8. Search results around 10. And then everybody else is up into the 15s. Wet paint. Pretty mischievous. 
search results, I think, actually has got the numbers that, that stack up very well. I just have never thought of her as a distaff kind of horse. I know she's run well in this race, and she's run well against some of the big girls in the past. I'd have to go back and watch more of the replays from California. Adair Manor, I could see myself getting involved in. Idiomatic, maybe she has just turned the corner, and she's blossomed into what she is now. But each of her two big wins, the spinster and the run-up at Saratoga, have come in sort of favorable scenarios, where at Saratoga it seemed like speed held very well, and in the run here at Keeneland, when Ness didn't show up, who did she really need to beat? And the pace was like a snail's pace. So I think she's going to have to work a hell of a lot harder if she's going to win the distaff. Not to say that she can't, but something to consider at a short price. Breeders' Cup Mile. Songline, Master of the Seas, Modge, all in that 4-1 to range. What a race this could be. Now, it seems like Gina Romantica is more likely to go here and in Italian against the Phillies and Mares going longer, which is interesting. Cheryl's Spite at 25 I could probably get enticed into. Much better two-turn horse than one-turn horse. Up to the mark, he's listed at, you know, in that sort of seven to eight range, but I think they're going along with him. I have no idea who Kalina is. Uh, I have to look at that, but just look at those top three. Songline, Master of the Season, Modge. You're going to get four to one on any one of those kind of horses? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's a great betting race. Should be a phenomenal race. Might be the race of the weekend. Turf sprint, I've got too much work to do there. Philly and Mare turf. In spiral, 2-1. to one. Warm heart, 3-1. to one. Lumineer rock, 10s. Lindy up in the 10s range. I, in Italian, I can't imagine her being north of 10-1. to one. I just can't. Chad Brown, the whole nine. Speed. Didi is the one that I want to talk myself into. And not even talk myself into. I, I like her. I want the price to be right. They've got her anywhere over in Europe between 12 and 16. I think that's reasonable. I, I think Diddy is just a good, good racehorse. She's proven at Santa Anita. She should get a good setup in here. Um, I know she's taking on some salty runners coming over from Europe. And then on top of that, you've got Fev Rover. You've got Lindy here. Win Maryland, the Japanese horse. Another great race. The, the international flavor this year is really the thing that's making this Breeders' Cup as enticing as it is because not to really, not to be rude, I, I, I'm just not really blown away by our American group of horses for the most part. These Europeans and the, the foreign horses from Japan that are coming over, though, they are fabulous horses. And it's really uh, stacking up to be a great, great two days of racing. The turf, Mostadaf, and August Rodan are kind of back and forth ping-pong between 5-2 and 3-1. King of Steel is up into the sixes, and then you have up to the mark at 8. And if up to the mark is 8, compared to 5-2 to two or 3-1, to one, although August Rodan, I, he is the kind of horse that it seems like. Aiden O'Brien has always talked about how smooth a mover he is, and if he gets quick ground... That's when he's able to get out there and really strut his stuff. Maybe the the you know the nut in his head is a little bit meh, not quite there. But if you give him the opportunity to run over you know carpet like turf, 
that's really when he's going to get out there and blow the doors off of the field. So maybe it is as simple as August Rodan is the real deal. Most of that, my concern is the distance. I just, he, he's clearly, it seems, coming to his own at a mile and a quarter. And maybe a mile and a half in the States going down the hill at Santa Anita is going to work to his advantage. I'm a little surprised, and, you know, I know there's not a ton of pedigree there, but suggest it. I figured they would have taken a shot or cross-centered also on the dirt. But uh, most enough, I, he's one I'll probably try to beat. I'll use August Rodan. I'll use up to the mark. Charyar, I, I could probably use a piece of close to 15 to 1. Warlike Goddess, I don't, I don't know what to do with her. She dominated the run at Aqueduct. Maybe she is as good as she once was. I start. I thought she was starting to trend off form, though. And I think this is a really, really good grace. Really strong. I feel like I've said that about many of these races. And then you get to the Classic. This one maybe not as strong. Also, worth acknowledging the whole Go Rocket Ride situation with the missed workout this morning because of sore feet after being reshod. They're going to try to work tomorrow on Saturday. Maybe this ends up being much to do about nothing. At a short price against this kind of field, I, I couldn't, I can't back him. I just can't. Everything needs to be going perfectly. And any little slight hiccup makes me second guess. So I, as of right now, Friday night, the week before, probably inclined to let him beat me. I had been saying that about White of Barrio all along, and then I saw that thoroughgraph number, that minus six. If he's going to be six to one or eight to one, I, I'm not going to pick him. But in terms of multi-race bets, I'd feel kind of like an asshole if I let him beat me. I keep looking at Ushba Tesoro, and I go, he's he's probably where I'm going to land in here. It just seems like internationally he's one of the better horses. His record is so so startlingly different from turf to dirt. Once they put him onto the dirt, he's turned into a different horse. He's got fast races. He's got a negative two and a half, I believe, for the Dubai World Cup. That's right there. You know, I know Proxy is an interesting horse that some people are making the case for at 20s. could certainly see it. Um Still got some work to do there. And, and Archangelo, he doesn't have any real edge on speed figures. But I expect him to run a big race. Just because he always has from day one. So, but I haven't brought up Arabian Night. You know, he's, he's going to be big speed in there. And we'll see. Maybe he gets brave out on the front end. This has always been, it feels like, Baffert's best three-year-old. So, there's a... An early look at some odds and some current prices. Let me know on Twitter, DM at Bernie or underscore Matt or beneath the video player on YouTube what you think about some of these prices. Who are you at least looking toward next weekend and who who are you really kind of building your two days around? It can be each day. It can be both days combined. I know they're going to do the combined $1 pick six. I'm starting to try to think of how I want to approach the weekend knowing that I'm not playing in the contest this year. If I'm being honest, and I know it sounds bad, not bad, but just different, I, I never really even gave any thought to the multi-race bets when I was playing in the BCBC because 
I was so focused in on that. I didn't, I had no interest in really going down another path. Well, now that I'm not in that, I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I really want to just try to grind away at a, and pick off a, an eight to one shot and say, oh, okay, great. You made 800 or $1,600 because you bet 100 or 200 win on them. Or am I really just going to take my, you know, let, let's say the bank next weekend, is, it's probably going to be somewhere between, it'll probably be around 1000 for the two days. So, and then I'll probably play in some contests online just for fun. But, you know, do I just find one multi-race bet and really just dive headfirst into that? Or do I try to split it up a little bit? I've got to wait and see when all the full PPs come out. And I've still got a little bit of work to do, but... Um, yeah, I'm starting to starting to think that way, and and I know that these pick sixes have historically been just that historical. So maybe that's the route that I end up going this year. Let me know again what your thoughts are with any of these horses, some of the prices available, and then how you plan on attacking the Breeders' Cup World Championships in terms of gambling, both on Friday and on Saturday. Now, in terms of this upcoming weekend in the National Football League. Let me pull up the old model. It's it's been kind of a kind of a hit or miss year so far for me with this thing, but it does seem like that's been a common theme for many many folks that that go down this road. Oh, and I have not even updated. So Thursday night, which is already come and gone, many of you, well, anyone who listens to this, will know. That's already... Oh, good Boston one tonight. Didn't see any of the game. 119-111 over the heat. I had a projection for Thursday night between the Bucks and Bills of Buffalo 25, Tampa 18. And the final score was... 24-18. How about that? No shit. Okay, that's good. Progress. Progress missed it by one. I'm not going to give you lines because some of you will catch these at different points. You should always be playing with the FanDuel Sportsbook if you are in a state where that is available. If not, I won't hold it against you, but I would rather you do that. Uh, so I'm just going to go right down the line for the numbers that I've put together. <laughs> Atlanta and Tennessee, the first one, 19 to 19. I, another podcast I listened to, they were talking about how one of the guys had a, a projection that would have been a tie, and he was like, how can you possibly do that? And he you know, he made the tweak, and he, he didn't go with it. But then he was watching one of the games, and it was playing out that way, and you know, he, he made a joke like, oh, my God, what have I done? I, I, I understand the idea that some folks look at it and go, you gotta have, you got to have a say one way or the other. I'm fine going with the tie thing. We've gone down this road before. It's worked out comically so it's worked out and if you don't want to back the tire you think that's a ridiculous thing that's fine to each their own I, there's too much bad shit going on in the world to to worry about or get too bent out of shape one way or the other if if people think that projecting a tie is a bad thing in a football game that in the grand scheme of things means absolutely nothing houston texans carolina panthers I have Houston winning 24 to 16. Jacksonville Jaguars, Pittsburgh Steelers. I have Jacksonville on the road winning 23 to 19. Minnesota and Green Bay. I have Minnesota winning 22 to 19 on the road. So a lot of road 
support so far. New Orleans Saints at Indianapolis Colts. I have the Colts winning 21-20. to Patriots at Dolphins. This, the Pats were a big swing and miss for me last week. I still don't believe they're any good. I have Miami winning 28-17. to The Jets and the Giants in the Meadowlands. I have the Jets winning 20-14. to Eagles at the Commanders. I have Philadelphia winning 24-17. to Rams at the Cowboys. I've got Dallas winning 24-21. to uh, Browns and Seahawks, 21-21. I've got them right there, deadlocked. And I guess just for ha-has, those of you that would really like to know, let me spread it out to another decimal point because I've always just gone with the round. Oh, no, wait a minute. Hang on. Stand by. Let's do it this way. Do, 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 do. Oh, oh, is this Cleveland... What is going on? Cleveland Browns. And who are they playing? Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. This is making for fantastic listening, I know. I apologize. Just bear with me. But just to go to show. I have a friend of mine, Tom. Tom's listening, I'm sure. He's basically a real-life troll, but he has my phone number, so in our fantasy football group, he'll he'll text and just badger me when either my fantasy team doesn't do well. My only loss this year was to him in that league, and then uh, with the with the Buffalo Bills and the uh, New England Patriots game last week, he was like, I'm just beginning to believe you're making up numbers, <laughs> which made me laugh, but uh, I promise you I'm not doing that, Tom. Let's see. The spread is Cleveland... He's catching four. The total's 37 and a half. Ew, gross. And then I got to pull this lever over here. We go Cleveland Browns. And we go Seattle Seahawks. And then we come back over here. And we have... So to be exact, the projection is... Oh, and it's actually changed. So it's gone down a point from when I put in the numbers at the beginning of the week, which means that the spread has changed at some point one way or the other. I'm going to guess it's changed in the favor of Seattle, meaning that Seattle has moved out because I have a projection of 21.3 to 20.1. But because we don't really bet in terms of tenths of a point, it's 21 to 20. So you know what? I'll update it. But that's also one of those things, too, that just because of timing and whatnot, if I do it on, so I ran the numbers when I was at the airport on Tuesday before I got in the plane. So early week lines, and then as the line changes, the sportsbook price, the FanDuel sportsbook number is one-fifth roughly. One-fifth or whatever it is, 0.25. Regardless, it's a portion of the overall projection. So when that changes, that can alter the numbers one way or the other. And in this case, it changed the number by one. So let's go revised. Cleveland 20, Seattle 21. Uh, Bengals and 49ers. I don't totally trust this number because there's a bunch of things going on. San Francisco's dinged up. Cincinnati's off the bye. I don't have, other than subjectively just going in and tweaking numbers here and there, Purely on the numbers, purely on the data, I have San Francisco by 10, 28 to 18. 
but I could see that being much closer. Chiefs at Broncos, I have got the Chiefs 28 to 16. Ravens at Cardinals, I've got the Ravens 29 to 16. Uh, Bears at Chargers, I've got the Chargers 24 to 19. And then the Raiders at the Lions, I have Detroit winning 26 to 17 on Monday night next week. There you have it. That is the news and the info, my projections for football this week. Let me know about football, about horses. Breeders' Cup, two-year-olds in general, wrapping up Keeneland, getting ready for Churchill Downs to open up again, where we'll have graded stakes horses, getting ready for whatever else it may be. On Twitter, you can DM me at Bernie or underscore Matt or beneath the video player on YouTube. As always, thank you for supporting the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, all that jazz. Um, questions, comments, concerns, you know how to get a hold of all of us, whether it's me, whether it's PTF, anybody involved in the money media. Uh, continue to watch us over on FanDuel TV. If you're playing and you're looking to get involved with both horses and sports or one or the other, just do it all through the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the only book where you can use the same wallet and the same app. You can bet on horses. You can bet on sports. It's a beautiful thing. Get involved there ASAP if you can, if you're in a state where it is allowed it is 10.20 on Friday night. I am going to crap out right now. We're going to shut this thing down, and I'm going to try to get some good sleep and get ready for closing day here in Lexington on Saturday afternoon. Hopefully the rain holds off. Uh, thank you again for listening. Two shows next week, a preview of Breeders' Cup Friday on Wednesday and a preview of Breeders' Cup Saturday on Thursday. Until then, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 177 of the Matt Burnham Show.